Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Welcome to 716 Together, a Western New York Audio Town Hall presentation of Cumulus Media Buffalo, designed to inform, inspire, and empower our community on issues that affect us all. Welcome to 716 Together. I'm your host, Tammy Lee. It's my honor and privilege to have joining me tonight, Ann Jay, who's Public Information Chair of Western New York's Alcoholics Anonymous Area 50. And we've talked a little bit about um, about our, our plan for the show today, but part of it was, and the main part was just having Anne describe what AA is and anything that you want us to be able to know as a community, because many people listening, Anne, will will be in need of help and maybe they're afraid of seeking help because of stigma and other things, but you help educate us. You, you tell us what you want us to know. Perfect. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for having me on tonight. Um, well, first I'll explain by saying what alcoholism is. Um, alcoholism is a disease, or rather an illness, where once alcohol is ingested, a phenomenon of craving exists where once a person picks up that first drink, an exhilarating feeling possesses one to want more and more, usually renders the drinker the inability to control his drinking. In other words, the first drink is too much, and a thousand is not enough. Of course, this doesn't usually happen immediately. Um, alcoholism is patient and progressive. A true alcoholic will try every method available to try to control his drinking, but almost always will fail. Um, okay, as far as why one person can drink and not become an alcoholic while another person still drinks and does become one. Okay, well, in this case, you know, a chemical imbalance in the brain occurs in certain individuals that differs from others, which induces craving. The craving becomes so intense that the individual finds himself totally helpless in controlling his drinking. He becomes physically dependent on alcohol, and the active alcoholic is stripped away of rational thought, doesn't acknowledge or have the willingness to learn from his mistakes. He loses the ability to recognize obvious, egregious patterns of behavior, and quite often loses the application of common sense. Most often, this individual loses everything dear in his life such as his family, his job, his home. Then again, there's a person who still drinks, even quite heavily, but is high-functioning and hasn't lost the things that they hold dear yet. That key word is yet. Mm -hmm. The disease of addiction dictates that they will lose these things in time, though. In both scenarios, the outcome will be jail, institutions, or death. Hmm. Um, was there another question you'd like? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because as you're describing this, I'm thinking, I, you know, I do know people who, who, who have, who drink a lot, but they're, they, you know, they, they're not disabled by it. It doesn't seem like they are. And so what you're describing is sort of like a path, ultimately, like nobody can really win that path. If you're, if you're a heavy drinker, even if you're not disabled now, eventually you will be. Right. By something. Okay. So it catches up to you. Now, AA, 
I think, and you would agree that I think AA has kind of a, in some cases, kind of a stigma wrap to it. You know, I, I remember it kind of in Castaway, the movie, and this is just kind of my memory of what, what AA would be, is that they're, they're kind of connected in a group of people who went to AA and they kind of, it's not a joke, but it's kind of meant to be sort of, I don't know, like a kind of a parody and it, it it's not funny. You know, AA is a serious thing, but I think people sometimes would say that, they're hesitant to do it because they they're not sure what it really seems like or what it would really be like. Right. Do you agree? Cause. Oh, I do. Actually. Um, I'm one of the members of AA myself and, you know, it took me the longest time to actually enter the program because of the stigma. Okay. I mean, oftentimes you'll hear in the workplace, Oh, this person's in AA or this person's an alcoholic or drinks too much or, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, you're almost reluctant to join something like that. You get the stigma that I was under the impression when I first came in AA, that AA was something where you have a lot of people that they are um, of the lowest of the low. Okay. They're um, there. I envisioned a lot of, old bums that had paper bags with a bottle in it. And that's how they were drinking, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, by no means am I, part, am I one of these people? I'm not, you know? So it took me a long, long time to actually enter the rooms of AA. But I realized I had to, I'll tell you, it's, it was so overwhelming, the desire to drink, that um, I wanted to do anything at this point. It was... To, alcohol literally dictated my life okay what started out is um a social drink here and there when my youth also um you know it became um I sort of liked the feeling that it gave me you know it was Mm -hmm. like some euphoria and you know not to mention I fit in with my friends and others you know I'm talking like in my late teens even college years And then what happened was um, all of a sudden some stressful situations would come. And I thought, okay, you know, a couple drinks will lighten it up. Um, You know, it'll take off the stress and anxiety that I'm feeling. So I would, um, you know, so I did that here and there. And that's okay. You know, at the end of the day, I would have like at the end of the workday, I'd say, okay, a nice glass of wine, maybe with my dinner. But again, you know, I like that feeling. And it, what happens with in this with an alcoholic because of that chemical imbalance? Okay, once you have that drink, okay, the, something sets off in your brain that all of a sudden you want more. You realize, gee, you know, this feeling is good. I think I'm going to turn to this more and more, and this is what happens. So then, at a time that I couldn't handle stress or. Uh, Things, things that life happens, that's it. Mm-hmm. And things happen on a regular basis. You don't know when or where, but all of a sudden I real, I thought, you know what? Alcohol is going to ease it for me. So I imbibed and I drank more and more. Well, the more you, you know, you drink, the more you want. The problem is don't take that first drink because it does set off this phenomenon of craving. And, you know, um, what happens is, when I was younger, one drink, you know, and I would feel okay, you know, and it was like just enough to just take off the edge. But what happens is the more you imbibe, okay, the it takes more and more alcohol to get the same desired effect. Before you know it, one drink doesn't ease your pain or your anguish or your anxiety. Now you want more. 
So then the next thing you know, you're drinking two, three, four drinks. The next thing you know, I mean, you're switching maybe from one kind of alcohol to another. Mm -hmm. Um, Beer, a lot of people think, no, beer isn't, you know, it's not alcohol. Well, guess what? Yes, it is. Anything that is mind altering, okay, is, uh, is addiction. It's an addiction. It's, you know, substance abuse, no matter which way you look at it. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, there was a point where I became a daily drinker. It was like, I needed that drink to exist mm-hmm. and what a way to live. I was, I mean, that was my crutch and I turned to it and, you know, for so many things. And before I know it, I know I didn't lose my job. I didn't lose my home nor my family, but my life, I knew now here I went to college Um, I considered myself very self-sufficient, came from a loving middle-class family who had, there was no record of alcoholism really in my family. Yeah, some people drank more so at weddings and whatnot, but nothing, uh, you know, you know, really out of control. But here I am, I got the golden ticket. Okay. The next thing I know, I'm drinking, you know, daily. And it's like every time something was disturbing would happen in my life, I picked up that drink. And I, it consumed me and I did not want to live like that. I realized that at the point, I mean, I had a couple children and I was losing the respect of my children. I was losing the respect of my friends. Um, I was, and actually I found myself isolating from people because you know what? They didn't drink like me. You know, the people that were just social drinkers with me, which, which is how I started, Mm-hmm. Okay, that was no longer the case. Now I am a full-blown drinker and other people just, they did not like my behavior. They did not want me around them, nor did I want to be with them because I didn't want anybody really. I thought I was doing this all in secret that nobody, I didn't want anybody to know how much I consumed. And so I would isolate. And um, I just, because, and like I said, um, I was a daily drinker. I mean, at any given time, somebody could have called me or come to my home and, you know, probably would have found me inebriated to one degree or another. And I'm not saying that, you know, I was a falling down drunk and myself, I was not a blackout drinker. There are, however, so, so, so many people that have. Um, yes, I've been guilty at times of um, drinking and driving. I realized, you know what, the fact that my life was and I mean, and that wasn't an often thing. I, most of my heavy drinking was engaged at home because I didn't want to suffer the consequences of heaven forbid getting in a car accident. But you know what? I mean, there were times where I was called out of the house for emergencies and I had liquor on my breath Mm -hmm. and God knows, you know, what could have happened. And, you know, it was at this point I had this wake up call and, you know, and I really, you know, the whole point with this, um, with AA2 is to turn to a higher power other than yourself. Now, some people might regard the fellowship of AA as their higher power, which is what I did originally. But I did have religion in my life. And this is not a religious program. It is spiritual. You can name any entity you wish as your higher power. It could be the light switch for all you know, but something that is... You know, it could be nature, anything, positive energy even. Um, And I chose the fellowship. And I'll tell you, the fellowship was so fundamental in my life. I mean, I didn't realize 
that there are other people like me in this world. I mean, surprisingly. And it was not, when I went to my first meeting, it wasn't at all like I expected. Like I said, expecting to see people with brown bags up, crouched over and really down and out. And you know what? Here I'm seeing a group of people that are recovering from this dreadful disease. And you know, the camaraderie is wonderful. And the stories that are felt, that are shared are so heartfelt. I mean, it struck me in the heart. I'll tell you, when I heard these people that have gone through hell and back, literally homeless, lost their families, jail, killed people while they were drinking and driving. I mean, when I see these miraculous recoveries of these people, that they were sharing their stories like, guess what? AA helped them. They had the meetings and the people and the camaraderie and the fellowship not to mention the 12 steps, which are imperative. In the, um, that's what AA is about. How it works, it works by following 12 simple suggestions. What are uh, they, they, though? Can you, can you tell us what those are? Are they secret? Um, I can. No, no, no. They're not secret at all. Um, actually, I don't have. The first one is probably the most important. And that first step is to admit. It's first admitting that you are powerless over alcohol, that your life is becoming manageable. Mm-hmm. And the second is to um, actually state that um, it's, you know, it took you to the gates of insanity and that you, uh, you realize that you need something greater than yourself, that your own thinking, your own thinking is so discombobulated from the alcohol and from your way of thinking. You have distorted thinking when you drink. I mean, there's, it, it's, it totally alters your mind, your way you think, the way you act, your behavior. And this is why you need something greater than yourself to, um, to work with and other people to share with so that together as a team, you help each other. That's what it's all about. One person, one alcoholic talking to another. You know, there's some great stories out there. My gosh, I mean, the films are loaded with it. A lot of stories about AA. I mean, a magnificent one is when love is not enough. And it talks about one of the founders of AA, Bill Wilson. And it's, it's phenomenal. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I'll tell you, I, today I am so grateful to be a sober, recovering person. And, you know, and I can't say, I will never say that I'm fully recovered because I'm not. I don't know at any given time Something might happen in my life that all of a sudden it will spark and I'll say, and you know what? That drink will look pretty darn good. But you know what? I have the tools now that I have amassed because I have been a member of AA and still continue to be. And meetings, that's where the fellowship is so critical Mm -hmm. in having this higher power. Um, I say a serenity prayer and I ask my higher power to give me the courage to get through another day. And man, I thank him at the end of the day. Guess what? I made it sober. And, you know, and you do an inventory of yourself. You change your past behaviors and your, the way you live. And it's like all of a sudden you get this beautiful spiritual awakening. And I'm not preaching religion here because, like I said, this isn't a religious program. But it is an enlightening program where all of a sudden you find yourself a much better person. I swear, these 12 steps should be available to human society. I mean, the human race, period. More of 716 Together coming up in just a moment. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to 716 Together, a weekly forum to inform, inspire, and empower Western New York. Let me ask you a question, though. So you found yourself, you know, realizing that you needed help. You know, how did you find the AA? Like, how would somebody, what's the first way of getting connected? So people listening today, you know, they're feeling very much like what you're describing, you know, but they're hesitant to go that way out because of the right. stigma. Where do they uh-huh. go? Okay, well, you know what, first of all, um, anonymity is huge. That is a fundamental tradition in Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, Um, and I will actually just read something quick. Okay, when appearing on radio, television, film, or on the internet as AA members, we refrain from showing our faces or revealing our last names. Hence, you see my moniker over there. You don't see my face. in printed articles or on websites or email, we're identified by our first names and last initials only. In addition, there are password-protected websites and closed meetings strictly available for AA members. Personal information shared at these closed meetings is confidential. AA, though, also holds open meetings, which are available to the public. Hmm. And at these meetings, general information is shared, and occasionally there might be a speaker. They'll tell you their story. They'll tell you how how it was back then when they were an alcoholic, when they were in the throes of addiction, and how they have risen above that, but only because they are working, they have worked the program and are continuing to do so. Now, alcoholism is a progressive disease, and as such, you know, um, you don't realize you're an alcoholic from the get-go. It starts very slowly, such as in my case. The next, I mean, I started out as a social drinker in my teens, keeping up with my college friends and my high school friends. And I mean, and I have to admit, alcoholism is more rampant even younger than that. It's happening at elementary schools. Um, A lot of times children are exposed to it at home. You know, I mean, a parent or sibling or something, you know, um, they'll see this and they may think this is a normal behavior. So yeah. a lot of them imbibe because it's part of life. They're what about not- COVID too, Anne? With COVID, it made it worse, don't you oh, think? Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, um, with alcoholism, you tend to isolate anyways. And isolating gives you, you, you know, you only, you have your mind and you only have yourself to think of. So you are, here you are, um, you know, trying to abstain from alcohol. Now, here you are in just by yourself. You're not engaging in the public. And you only have yourself and the, the wheels turn. You've got that insanity going on in your mind. You'll talk yourself into a drink. And unless you call another AA person, and now AA has meetings, not only in person, but hybrid or virtual, such as we're doing here, Zoom meetings. I mean, they're all over the world, all over the country, all over the world. AA has a meeting a meeting guide app, and nobody will condemn you or judge you by walking in one of those meetings. See, this is what people are afraid of. 
they think, oh my God, someone's going to know me or whatever. Um, first of all, like I said, everything is confidential. And you know what? You're, you feel, my gosh, this is my haven. All yeah. of a sudden you feel at home. And I did, you know, I was scared when I came in that first meeting and I thought, you know, and I dragged my son in there, you know, and when he was told he can't be part of it because only alcoholics can be there. I thought, oh, Lordy, how am I going to do this? But, you know, there were people there that took me under their wing. And, uh, you know, and I, this is where I listen to these heartfelt stories. I listen to people recovering and people are laughing at these meetings. I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, and this is and. You know, we support each other. If you feel like you want to drink, you call one of these people from these meetings. Usually it's women with women, men with men. More importantly, too, they suggest that a member um, join a home group. Now, this means that there are so and there's meetings everywhere. Buffalo alone, there's 500 meetings and you can I can I'm going to give you a website address. And also there's that meeting guide app. You just put it on your phone. It's a free app. The AA meeting guide, it's called. And you just go and it'll pick up where you're living and it'll tell you all the meetings that are within your vicinity, within a five mile radius and give you GPS directions. I mean, how great is that? Me, I lack any sense of direction. So I get this thing, it's like, yes. So, I mean, it's wonderful. And if you're traveling, it's great. I just came back from a cruise and I there was a meetings on the ship and it was wonderful. I, you know, associated with so many different people from different states. I mean, it was so rewarding. And, you know, the camaraderie, it's so nice. It well, really it, if I could just say, you mentioned, you know, I think some people might think, well, if I go into any kind of treatment or sobriety, I won't be able to do the things that I used to like, like a cruise that's very much drink oriented. Yes. You know, do, do you feel, did you feel like you were supported enough to, that you could sustain that sobriety on a cruise? Cause that's really, I almost think that it's, that's such a, a no, risky temptation. It oh, it is. Well, first of all, it's very, very much encouraged. First of all, the first year of sobriety is very, very difficult. Okay. It takes a lot of willingness takes determination, honesty, um, what you have to, what you, well, actually, I'll even read this. Um, it is really, uh, okay, I'm going to go and explain actually what AA is. It says if a person really has a desire to quit drinking, then to start with, he must be honest, open-minded, and willing to go to any length possible to relieve this obsession he has with alcohol. Now, it's usually achieved when he reaches a point so low in his life maybe even to the point of death where he's hospitalized. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard where people were in ICU because, oh, alcohol poisoning. Mm -hmm. They had imbibed so much. And that at this moment, they decided they're going to, they're willing to listen and do the steps as suggested in AA. Now, meetings are very, very important. They're available in person, hybrid and online throughout the world, even on holidays and anytime, day or night, you can go online. You can meet somebody in Japan. That's all well and good if you can speak Japanese. But, you know, it's great that, that these things are available and they welcome you. I mean, and, you you know, it, it's just like I said, the fellowship is great. Um, and then, you know what, too, the camaraderie also increases one's sense of belonging and purpose. And, um, you know, there's phone numbers, hotlines available for recovering alcoholics, tons of AA literature that's available on the website and stories of recovery. 
Now, you mentioned something about if by reading the AA literature, would that be enough? Not really, mm-hmm. because you can be the well-versed, most well-versed person. You can say, oh, well, you know what? I'm too smart for this. I can outbeat this. Um, I'll control my drinking by, okay, only doing it on Saturdays and Sundays, or maybe I'll just do it during weddings or whatever. You, it's, it's the insanity. You know, you try to control your drinking. And when you find that no matter what vain attempt you have sought to control your drinking, that eventually you won't win. That means that, yes, you are a true alcoholic and you can use help. And this is where AA meetings by going on the website and it's nothing for you to go on a website and read about it Mm -hmm. or read the stories. You can go to any number. You can go to AA.org and say, okay, I want to read a story about somebody that's young, um, you know, and they have pamphlets available too, but you can go on and, you know, there's all kinds of different scenarios where, uh, you know, you relate to. Now, the big book is the Bible. They call it Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it is the Bible for AA. And in it, they describe the 12 steps. And the first 164 pages describes how the program works. The last part of the book um, has stories that I'll be down if I didn't relate to half of them. The housewife who drank at home, man, that was me. Um, or, you know, um, it's whatever, you know, you were at a meeting and all of a sudden, you know, you were at a conference and all of a sudden, you know, you decided to, um, you know, at the end of your meeting, decided to have a couple drinks with your colleagues. Well, the next morning, you're not waking up for the next session. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things you relate to. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what you know, really got me between the stories, hearing people talking, and they're so genuine. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. And can, I ask, that, can I ask you a quick question? And this is just my, uh, I'm, I'm trying to better understand. So if, yeah. so in a circumstance where somebody, you know, decides that they need AA, they go through the program, they become so sober, abstinent, you know, at any point in time in the future, are they able to have a drink at the holidays? Or is it really over? No, like no it's, more? It's over. And you know what? thing that you've got to remember in AA, you live for the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, it's one day, one moment, one minute at a time. You do not think about the future. Um, This is something that the 12 steps teach us. Okay. That you live in the present. When you start thinking of, I see that was another handicap of mine. I thought, okay, it took me forever to join AA because I thought, how am I never going to drink again? Now, my anniversary date is coming up next week. Okay, seven years. I mean, you know, my children are actually, you know how they are so proud of me. They're taking me out to dinner. They have every year that I've I've achieved sobriety. And, you know, and it is a wonderful feeling. And you don't realize how much you impact your family and loved ones until, you know, you're actually in the program. I thought, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just hurting myself, you know. And especially if I'm doing all my heavy drinking at home, who am I hurting? Mm-hmm. wrong you worry your family you worry others um and not to mention i mean you physically you go down the tubes awfully fast i'll tell you between your liver enzymes there's such a thing as a wet brain involving too 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 much and drinking to oblivion you get alcoholic dementia you lose brain cells okay the frontal lobe of your brain is affected greatly uh you end up either in jail um we end up on the road, driving, killing somebody, any number of things can happen or institutionalized. So, or dead, 
I mean, I can't tell you how many people, I mean, and a lot of people would test the waters. They'll think, okay, I've had 10 years sober. Now it's safe for me to drink. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because the minute, now again, there's that chemical imbalance. Um, and this, I'm not saying 100%, because there is a 50% success rate for people that um, are in AA. Okay, but you know, so you really, really have to want to ad adhere to this. And really, um, I'll tell you, I mean, why throw it all away? Early sobriety, first of all, is critical. I mean, is crippling. Um, it's very hard. It's a first year, especially. You should not attend. You stay away from what persons, places, and things. Okay, so this means that you stay away from, okay, in Buffalo, football parties. Big one, okay? You um, Things like that, or unless it's with sober people. Now, you think, AA, you know, what am I going to do? All the fun things that I like to do and have alcohol present. Well, guess what? Not necessarily, you know, AA, you can have fun without alcohol. And I found that out because I love to party and I like to have fun. And I thought, how am I going to get through life without doing this, you know? And how am I going to get through the holidays? And it's a matter of how bad you want it. And you know what? And when you, you can go to meetings. On Christmas Day, there's meetings. At the football, instead of going to watch a football game, you can watch a football game at an AA meeting. You can go to another AA member's house. They have, we, a lot of our meetings are in church basements. Most, mm -hmm. A good portion of them, believe it or not. And um, you know what? There's televisions in there too. And we can watch football games and hockey games. We can have fun. We have parties. We can do anything our drinking counterparts can do, okay, without the benefit of drinking. But again, that first year, a compulsion and obsession is still, and that craving exists. But the longer in time takes time is the bottom line. The longer you're without it, the better off, the, the easier it gets. So I have a quick question, and I hate to say that we're almost out of time, but I'm going to have, we're going to have to reconnect before the holidays are over so that we can talk yes. about this again. But people who are very heavy drinkers should probably maybe also talk to their, their physician, right, to not just go cold turkey, because oh. they would probably need to do tapering in that, right? Would there be some... some um, Physicians, yes, they should talk to the... Well, physicians have probably already talked to them at that point, because if they're liver ends, if they're going to get tested... Their liver enzymes are probably off the charts mm. already. Um, but, you know, at the same time, and, you know, and if they should be honest with them. I mean, yeah. you're not fooling anybody. When you tell your, your doctor, I had two drinks, the doctor usually multiplies that times five. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, and we're great liars. Alcoholics are liars. And we go to great lengths to hide our disease. But um, it's true, you know. Um, but, you know, there's a, you can see your actual professionals. You know, whether it's a mental health, a lot of times people have mental health issues. We, you know, you can engage with your mental health professional, your doctor and AA um, all together. But, you know, they're going to just and we are trying to educate. Believe it or not, there's a lot of professionals that really are not familiar with AA. Yeah. So no, we're trying to educate them, too. This is I mean, so things to them all the time. This is so important. And I, like I said, I can't believe we haven't connected earlier. We'll have to be a, a oh, regular please. connection I'd for sure. Back again, oh, sure. Get, can somebody have a number, a website, where to go Absolutely. now for some help? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, like I said, in Buffalo, um, we have, I'm going to give you a website, a couple websites, but uh, the one in Buffalo, it's www 
buffaloaany.org. I'll spell it out. Um, and that's one website. The national website is aa.org. And that's loaded with a ton of stuff. They also have literature on there and pamphlets. Yes. And I'm going to give you a phone number where people can ask for pamphlets and get pamphlets on AA. I can even supply pamphlets. So I'd be happy to talk to you afterwards. And if you know people um, that want pamphlets, I can do that. I'm reaching out to schools and colleges and whatever to try to deliver these myself and business cards too. But anyways, the phone number is 716-853-0388. Thanks, Anne, so much. And I really thank you for educating us, helping us all understand the importance of, of the organization and by taking away the stigma so people can get help. So thank you so much. And thanks everybody for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Take care. Be well. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to 716 Together. Listen for new shows on the air every Sunday morning at 6 and on-demand podcasts posted weekly. This has been a presentation of Cumulus Media Buffalo. Welcome to Talkville. The ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But scabby, abby, scabby, the whole school. Yeah, just I hurt see. me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.